This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so... What? I don't hear you. Havdalah works. Uh, we make Havdalah. Mati Shabbos, you just say, Baruch HaMadu Mekarish V'chol. And they light a can- they do the candle in shul. The candle they do in shul, there's no besamim. And then Matzei Tishabav, um, being as the tenth, not the ninth, they make Havdalah, you can make it, um, I'm not gonna pass it on grape juice, most people make it on beer. Cause beer is not wine. It could be that this year, since it's not the not, it's not much say the ninth, but it's much say the tenth, cause it's push, that you might be able to make it on grape juice, give it to a kid, whatever. So, so the, the, much say Shabbos, there'll be Aish. There's no Basamim, there'll be Aish, and then, much say Tishabov, there'll be Hagafen. That's, that's the, uh, but you have to say Baruch Hamadu Mikhoshachal before you come to Shul, before you change your, uh, before you change your sneakers, you can't put Tishabov shoes on when it's Shabbos. You can't show any signs of Avelis, so you have to stop eating at Shkia, which was um, 8.18. But from 8.18 till Myriv, you don't sit on the floor, you don't eat the egg with the ashes, um, and you don't change into your shoes until you say Baruch HaMavdol, till Shabbos is over. Okay, so actually this Tisha B'Av we're all eating. Last year someone gave me, gave me a brach, he said, next year, Mitzvah Hashem, whole Klaifo should be able to eat on Tisha B'Av. I said, I said like, wow, he goes, it's Shabbos. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't realize that. Okay. Um, so I spoke this, this week up in the mountains on, uh, on Monday and the subject that I spoke about is one of my favorite subjects. Um, the iPhone technology, people are sick of hearing me talk about it. Um, but I'd like to read you two emails that I haven't have gotten. Uh, one I got on Sunday, and one I got on Monday. So I want to read you the first one on Sunday. I think it's a, a very important email. I never met you or spoke to you, but I wanted to say thank you for having a tremendous impact on my life. I was a rebellious and confused teenager when someone introduced me to your shiurim on, to- on Torah anytime. I love the straightness and honesty of the way you spoke. I became hooked. Besides for the Ashkafas Hachayim, which I gained tremendously, the biggest impact on me was your constant talking about smartphones, Facebook, and Internet. By the way, I do not have a smartphone. I have a severely learning disabled phone. Okay? This is my... Nothing smart about it. But anyway, the, the more you spoke about it, the more I thought about it, and I eventually came to understanding of exactly how I wanted myself and my future home to be. Even in high school, when I was very far from being a solid from girl, I never got myself an iPhone or Facebook. Even when all my friends were, well, knowing what it would do to me, and always strongly spoke out against it. When I was dating, my biggest thing was, I don't want to marry a, a boy who is on Facebook or has an iPhone. I ended up marrying an incredible boy who actually did have a smartphone with a filter. But after a year of him hearing my opinions and feelings on the matter, he happily got rid of it right before we had our first son. We now, Baruch Hashem, have two children. We each have simple phones, very restricted internet in the house for my work. And we are building our own little base on Migdash every day with two children who are being raised in a pure home with no tumor and parents who have clean hands and who 
are there for them fully, because you have time if you're not on the phone, to love them and give them no distractions. Our Yiddish guy obviously grew in leaps and bounds because of this, and we are people right now we never could have been or dreamed of being. It's all thanks to you. You can't speak on the matter, no matter how many people might say enough is enough. We all heard already. You can stop talking about it. An entire family and amidst Hashem, many future generations. Thank you for the fact that, fact that you are being brought up in a, in a real from home without a sickness that unfortunately pervades most of our Jewish homes these days. So thank you again for saving so many lives. Thanks for being impact on my family. May Hashem give you strength. Continue in your incredible work. May you have the schuss to continue having a phenomenal impact on cholesterol. I was very excited. I got that email. Okay. No. Can you speak You can't quote me on my, on my internet. You, what do you mean? Yes. No, on your phone. On my regular phone. Yeah, I don't, I only call on regular phone. I, I have a regular phone. Okay, now the other side of the coin. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. This was Monday. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. I listened to your shit last week and it really resonated because the Yetzirah got me for free with um, a free technology. I am sorry if this letter is confusing and rambles on, but I wanted to get, I want to get a lot of it out. I was a Beis Yaakov girl from nursery through seminary. I was probably addicted to the internet already at that point. I started using the internet because I love researching random topics such as the differences in the types of wool to how engines run to the history of the of Madagascar. Okay, I guess she really was interesting. I uh, was always one who took our books from the school library and, would never, and that we never touched, so the internet was a treasure trove for me. I didn't want much online. I was only reading. Then I discovered online fiction, especially fiction, people writing stories. I enjoyed it because I love reading. Again, I used to go to the library and take out a dozen books and finish them over Shabbos. I read the Medrash says on Shabbos dozens of times since I, since I was about 10 years old. Fiction is a very slippery slope. Fiction is, is free and familiar. There's also a sense of community. Harry Potter. People take the Harry Potter characters and take them seriously. Then there, then there is the what could have been. What would happen if one of his, okay, go, she's just going through Harry Potter now. Um, and I slid down that slope, Billy noticing the different, the different relationships meant cross-generational relationship, multi-part relationships. To, to give a mild example, okay, we're not going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. Then I got an email. Then I got an email. I want a free, I want free technology. No longer did I have to hunch over a computer monitor to be plugged into a wall. I could read this all from the comfort of my bed. I would escape to online reading and kept reading and reading until I couldn't keep my eyes open. I would read for five plus hours at a time. I didn't have to worry about anyone seeing something on the screen. I didn't have to worry about my history popping up. I could just get lost in this make-believe world. I know there are movies online that are awful, terrible, and disgusting. I never watched a single one. I was never active in communities online. I joined groups and read everyone's comments, but I didn't participate. I came close, but I never did. My language never changed. My clothing never changed. And I never sought out inappropriate relationships in person. So far, she's doing very well. In my mind, I was reading Harry Potter books that were well-written. 
Never mind, they could be filthier than many movies because they didn't need actors. They had magic to solve any problems that often made these situations acceptable. There were also many stories that made the good guys bad and the evil guys good. I played with, it played with my mind and made, and made very suspicious of everyone because who knew who was really good? I can't even read the original books anymore because I hate some of the good characters. I quickly became more and more addicted to my technology and to these stories that filled something inside me. I was being cared for. I was being accepted as a character. A couple of years later, I was feeling so alone and isolated that I started to use my computer on Chavez. So here's a girl who started as a Basiakov girl. Just Harry Potter, just right. She started to use the computer on Chavez. It was easy to hide her from my family because it was a small computer. I knew it was wrong, but I rationalized and I tried to make it as kosher as possible. I wouldn't plug it in. I, was adjust, I, I would adjust the settings so the screen light would go off as little as possible. And I would make the font as small as possible so I would touch the screen less often. Baruch Hashem, I conquered that particularly Yitzhahara and established Gedarim. I try very hard to always be in the same room with someone else on Shabbos, a sort of Yichud, and I've been getting books about Shabbos to read then. Recently, a few things spurred me on to try and leave this world completely. Perhaps they'll help someone else. One, I took a real honest look and realized that one of the most comforting stories barely had a paragraph without an appropriate word. Someone commented, that she is vision impaired, so she reads these stories by having her computer read the stories out loud. When I read that, I recoiled in disgust. I would never listen to such material. I quickly realized the hypocrisy of my struggle to quit being in earnest. I was reading online that what becomes of all... This is very scary. I was reading online what becomes of all of someone's accounts when the person dies. I thought if I die tomorrow, my family is going to be horrified and disgusted when they discover... My, I, my online activity. I deleted my accounts and my bookmarks, but I haven't been able to do it all. I'm not really sure what to do with all my free time, and I tend to feel lonely and, and at loose ends. But I'm cutting back, so I'll get there one day. But this all started with free stories, exaggerated with free technology. So, you have two sides over here. You have a family, a young girl who decided that when she gets married and she has a mishpacha that she's not going to have this in her house and that you see how, how her husband and herself are growing up and it's just an interesting thing there's a boy that that I taught um, he was one of my tamidim um, he happens to be a, an expert in computers and um, something went wrong in the office this is about two years ago something went wrong in the office and I needed him to help the girls try to figure out how to fix it and it was like before Shabbaton it was late at night and I called them and I called them from like from like 9 o'clock 10 o'clock 11 o'clock 12 o'clock and his phone kept just going straight to messages straight to messages straight to messages so the next morning I called them at, war, at work and I said I said Yossi I mean it's very nice it's a uh, you know Shana Rishona but like uh, you go to sleep at 9 o'clock I mean that's you know you go, he says no I don't go to sleep at 9 o'clock I said, I called you a whole night last night. You didn't, the phone went right. He says, oh, Rebbe, I made up when I get married with my wife. Then when I, we get, when I get home from work, we turn off our cell phones. I said, you turn off your cell phones when I'm, it's an emergency. He says, no, we have a house phone. We have a phone number. We have a house phone. My parents, everyone knows our house phone. If you need me in an emergency, he said, we don't, I don't have a cell phone. 
And I was thinking to myself, this is my Talmud. I don't turn off my cell phone. So he's like, right, it's not a big deal. You have a phone. You have a phone on the wall. It's an emergency. Someone will call you. It's a, it's a, it's a whole different life. And I was telling the boys that every time I go to Eretz Yisrael and I'm on the plane, the phone doesn't work. So it's like 10 hours of Gan because nobody can reach me. Nobody can send me a text. I can actually sit and learn. I can actually be quiet because I can't talk to anybody. So I was telling the guys, I was saying, like, it's unbelievable. On the way back from Eretz Yisrael, it's, it's almost 12 hours. It's bliss. It's like Gan Eden, 12 hours and I'm human. So after the shir, one of the boys comes over to me and says, I don't want to be chutzpahdik, Rebbe, but like, why do you have to go on a plane? Just shut your phone. So like, Rebbe, if you decide you want to, be, you want to go away, for, shut your phone for 12 hours, make believe you're on a plane. Why do you have to be on a plane, right? And I said to him, it's, as much as I speak about it, if the phone works, then I need it. If it doesn't work, then, I, then, then what can I do? So it's just something that, it's, it's really a, l- a little bit what I'm not talking really about the phone, but I'm talking about this whole aspect of um, of disconnect because one of the big questions on Tishabov is we say that Tishabov is Kruay Moyed. We say that Tishabov is called a Yantif, right? It's called a Yantif. We don't say Tachron on Tishabov. It's a fast day. We don't say Avinu Malkenu, right? No Tachron, no Avinu Malkenu. No slichus. It's considered a moed, a yantif. Every day you say slichus. And you, and you would think, what destroyed the Beit HaMikdash? Aravaris. So what better day to say slichus and a shamlu maganu tachanun than Tishabov? On Tishabov there's no slichus, there's no avinu makenu, there's no tachanun. So the question really is, what's the yantif? Everyone here in this room knows, Kruay Moyed, you know, this year they should, this year, you know, Tishabov should be called the Yantif. No, it's not this year, Tishabov. Tishabov is called the Yantif every Tishabov, before Mashiach comes. So it's not like, yes, when Mashiach comes, we're going to celebrate it as the Yantif. Right? We're not going to fast, we're going to celebrate it as the Yantif. But this year, Tishabov, and last year, Tishabov, is called the Yantif. That's why we don't say Tachanan. We don't say Avinu Malkenu. So the question of Shimshim Pink is asked, what's the Yantif? It's a major destroyed, millions of Jews dead. You shall lie in the, 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 the terrible stories that we learn in the Gemara about, about mothers eating their, cooking their children and eating their children and the blood flowing through the streets. What kind of yantif is this? So he asks, he says, what kind of yantif is this? It's going to be a yantif when Mashiach comes. But it's not. It's a yantif now. We don't say tachron. We should be saying tachron. We should be asking for forgiveness. By asking for forgiveness, it's what's going to bring Mashiach. This is an amazing Teretz. An amazing Teretz. And he says something very fascinating. Because when someone dies, and you go to be Menachem Avol, so the Avelim are sitting there, what are you, what, what's going on when you be Menachem Avol? So they're sitting there, and people are coming, and let's say this person's father died, right? So people are coming, and what are they doing? They're talking about this man. And they're saying, you know, he saved me, he lent me money, and you know, the kids have, usually today they have tape recorders, and they tape all the stories because they want to write a book, they want to write a thing. So all these people who come from when he was a kid, and when he was in camp, and, and when he was in Europe, and he was here, and hundreds or thousands, depending on who the person is that died, people come and tell good stories. And the kids are taping down these stories. 
So really, you're not mourning the death of the man when you sit Shiva. You're celebrating his life. Because all you're talking about the Shiva is what he was when he was alive. So in the deepest pain, Rav Shimshon Pinkus is, he's so deep, he's so amazing. In the worst time of deepest pain, when you're sitting shiver for a person, sitting shiver for a person, there's a simcha, there's a maye, there's a holiday, because while you're sitting, you're hearing all about the greatness of that person. If that person didn't die, right, no one's coming to your house to tell you great about you. You know, I, I always say they should, they should, they should sit shiver when a person's alive. When a person's dead, he's not there anymore. And everyone's coming at, wow, he did this and he did that and stories that. And, and, and what, what do, what do the people who are sitting shiver do? They take out albums of their parents and when they got married and in Europe and their bar mitzvah and when they went to Israel. They don't take out these albums before the person dies. All of a sudden they have albums and albums. Everyone's looking, look at my mother and look at my father and all these different pictures, right? So, the death, the tragedy causes the life. Because that's what happens when the person is sitting shiver. Otherwise, nobody's talking about this man. Nobody's coming from far, flying in to be there to tell stories. Because the person's alive. So he says, if Shemshapinka says, that, uh, that on Tishabah we get up at the worst time, the worst time of the burning of the base of Migdash was Chatzais. Of the ninth day of, of, is when they really set everything on fire. And Chatzais is when we get up and sit on our chairs. Chatzais is when they put the parochas back on the Aron HaKodesh. That's the worst time. What are you, why, why are you sitting up in a chair? The worst time you should surely be sitting on the floor. And the answer is that because the base of Migdash was destroyed on Tishabov, we're talking about the base of Migdash. We don't talk about the base of Today we're not talking about the base of Migdash. Last week we're not talking about the base of Migdash. So we're sitting, we're talking four hours of kinnis about the greatness of the base of Migdash that was destroyed. So we're sitting shiva. It's like going to be Menachem Oval, But at the same time, we're talking about the beauty that was once upon a time. We're talking about the relationship between Kleisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're talking about what we had. So the Yontif, of the tragedy, of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, the Yantav is celebrating what the Beis HaMikdash was. So at the point that when it was burning the worst, that's when you celebrate the most. So he says, the Yantav that we have until Mashiach is the celebration of what we had. Which is huge, because you can understand that when that's right. You don't talk good about your, your father, uh, you know, Day and night, day and night. For those seven days, all you do is you talk good about the person. You get all these stories and pictures and, and, and memories and people you haven't seen for 30 years. So it's tragic. It's tragic. The person died. But really, you're celebrating the person's life for those seven days and for those 30 days. And then after a year, the yard site's over, you're not celebrating their life anymore. You're not talking about them anymore. So the, the, every year when there's a yard site and you make a yard site su'uda, the day that the person died, which should be the heart, it should be the worst day, right? You're making a big suit, you're making a big party. It's the day the, per- the parent died. Why are you making a party? Because on the yard site, you again remember everything that that person was. Only once a year. But you remember on the worst day the person died, you're remembering the good of what that person did on that. So, so you're celebrating the yard site, you're not celebrating the person's death. You don't celebrate a person's death. You're celebrating the person's life.
And, and what is life? And we've spoken about this a hundred times. What is life? Life is potential. Last night was a very unusual. I was asked to speak at the Chavar Kadisha. Chavar Kadisha are the people when someone dies who prepare the body for burial. So the Chavar Kadisha of Flatbush has about 60 guys in it. And they go to the hospital and they do whatever, you know, whatever they had and they asked me to speak. I'm a client. So a client, the Chavar Kadisha, don't usually get together. It's very unusual because Kehanim are not allowed to do that. Um, so I, 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 I went there to speak to them last night. They were in a restaurant, whatever it was. And I said to them, I said, you guys, there are, there are four, HaKash Baruch created the world of four different levels. This domain, domain is a stone, right? Not domain, domain with a mem is a stone that has no life, right? That's domain. Sameach is a, is a flower. Chai is an animal, and a human being, which is the highest level, is called the medaber. The one who speaks. So, so the difference between a human being and an animal is only one thing. An animal is called a chai. We're also chai. We're alive, but we're called a medaber. So the difference between us and an animal is that we have the power of speech, and they do not. Once the Sahara took away our power of speech, and all day long all we do is text and on our keyboard on our iPhone and we're texting and we're what happening and all this other stuff and we're no longer talking so we drop from the level of medaber of a human to an animal because if the whole difference between a human and an animal is speech and you're not using that anymore you're not communicating through speech then you came down a level you came down to the level of an animal and that's why our world looks like what it looks like today so what happens and the tragedy of death because really, death is a good thing, not a bad thing. Why? The person goes to the next world. They go to Ganeiden. They go to sit by the Kisei Kavod. So if we really believe that, everyone in this room, really believe that when a person dies, they go to the next world, to Ganeiden, so what are you sad about? You should be throwing a party. Imagine you're, you're in the middle of a big snowstorm. It's 10 degrees. And somehow you get to Kenny Airport with your mother and father. Somehow you get them onto the last JetBlue flight that's leaving Kennedy Airport. They land in Florida and they're like, hello, we landed. It's 78 degrees and sunny. And you're in the middle of this blizzard. You're going to sit on the floor, rip your clothing, start crying. Oh my God, my parents are in Florida. They're not here anymore. No. You're like, Baruch Hashem. They got, they made it to Florida. So if you really believe that when a person dies, they go to Ganeiden, what are you crying about? What are you crying about? They're in a better place. We're stuck in the sewer called this world. And there by the Kizak Kavod. So why do we cry? Why do we rip our clothing? Why do we sit shiva? And the answer is that the greatest tragedy, listen carefully, the greatest tragedy is when you go from a medaber, when you go from a medaber to a daimen. Because when a person dies, that body, which has no more life, is called a daimen. You're on the highest level of medaber. Now you're on the lowest level like a rock. The body has no, nothing, no, no potential. So you're going from an, an adam 
straight, straight through Shemayach, through Chai, through everything, straight to a domain. The tragedy is that that person no longer has any more potential. And the greatest tragedy in the world is when a person has no more potential. The Mishnah Pirkei says that one moment of Korach's Ruach, of quiet in the next world is worth more than all the pleasures of this world. But, says the Mishnah Pirkei Avos, one moment in this world of doing a mitzvah or doing tshuva is worth more than the whole Eilam Haba. What are you talking about? And the answer is because as long as you're in this world, you have the potential to make a bracha. You have a potential to give it of aim. You have potential. Potential is life. When a person dies, zero potential. There is no more potential. So how do you celebrate potential? By using your potential. So I was telling them that when they come out of a room, there's another, another very deep. The, the physical world and the spirit, what's the difference between the physical world and the spiritual world, right, which we call Gashmius, is the five senses that Hashem gave us. In the, when you're alive, you have five senses. You have touch, you have smell, you have taste, you have hearing, and you have seeing. You have five senses. When a person dies, what happens is he loses those five senses. In the next world, you don't have those five senses. We lose those five senses. So those five senses are what's called Gashmias. It's the, it's the physical, physical world. On Tishabav, there are halachas about those five senses. You can't taste anything, you can't eat or drink. A man and wife, they cannot touch each other, they're not supposed to touch each other on Tishabav. You cannot make a barimine basamim on Tishabav. You're not allowed to smell spices, you're not allowed to um, smear yourself with oils, with smelling, good smelling oils. You're not allowed to listen to music, and you're not allowed to go touring to mount, to see beautiful mountains, to see waterfalls. You're not allowed to do that on Tishabav. You're not supposed to do that in the nine days, actually. So all five senses are affected by Tishabav. Seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, and smelling. So we're on Tishabav. We have to separate ourselves from those five things, which is very painful. They're called five inuyim. But at the same time, just like the burning of the base Hamigdash reminds you, and the Mayed is, reminds you of the base Hamigdash, the living base Hamigdash, and that's the Mayed. On, on, on Tishabav, the lack of those five senses should remind you of the appreciation of when you do have those five senses. It's a very, very, I talk about it all the time, it's very, very important if you want a schooler to be healthy and that those five senses should be working, right? Then you have to show a Baruch appreciation that you have it. I don't leave my house in the morning without standing by the door before I walk out and I put my hand on the mezuzah and I close my eyes. Like I said, Hashem, thank you that I can feel who in this room appreciates that when you walk outside tonight or you walk outside in the morning that you can feel the wind on your face that you can feel the temperature outside a person who's in a coma doesn't feel the wind on their face a person who loses 
that one of their senses doesn't feel that. So you have to, before you start your day where you use your five senses, you have to thank Hashem at the mezuzah that I can feel something. You can close your eyes and someone can put something in your hand and say, this is paper and it's probably nine by twelve and it bends. Your fingers are computers. They tell you what's hot and hard, what's hot and cold. They tell you what's hard. They tell you the shape of the thing that you're holding. Never a person who has a stroke. You know, I went to learn with, with a very holy person this week, and he has Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's up in the mountains in my bungalow colony. The only thing that he can move in his whole body is his eyes. And I sat with him and I learned with him and he was sending me on a screen. He was talking to me through his eyes. It's amazing, the computers, whatever it was. And I was sitting next to him and I was like, we take so much for granted. So much for granted. So so in the pain of Tishabab, of, of losing these five senses, has to come the appreciation of the five senses that we have. So I don't leave before I touch the mezuzah and it's cold or it's hot. This morning it was pretty hot. I'm like, Hashem, thank you that I can feel. And then I take a, thank you that I can smell. Now it doesn't always smell good. It depends what day. Sanitation department is there or not there. Right? But you can smell! Smelling keeps you away from stepping into things you shouldn't. Smelling, you should never know what it means not to smell. Smelling gives you the appreciation that before you eat the food, you actually smell the food. If you have a miserable, miserable cold, it's okay, it's good like this. If you have a miserable, miserable cold, right, you, and you can't smell, you can't taste the food either, and you don't have an appetite. Smelling is amazing. And the ability to taste, the biggest curse in the whole world was the nachash. And his curse was that everything would taste the same. So that you're able to taste the different foods and, and what's sharp and spices and all this. It's crazy. If you look in your spice cabinet, Look at all those spices in your spice cabinet. Pepper and salt and nutmeg and every single one of them tastes differently. And your tongue, right, is able to tell your brain exactly what it tastes like. And these are all plants that come out of the ground. I'm always in, in bewilderment. Even I have this little little garden that I have when I come out of my house. It has two plants in it. Peppermint and it has this lemongrass. It's called lemongrass. And they both have very strong smells. And, and of course the weeds. And I'm like, it's it's amazing that from the same dirt, right? Like like where did Hashem like get the smells from? The peppermint is right next to the lemongrass, and they're coming from the same ground, and they both smell totally different. We just take all these things for granted, you know. And roses and all the different smells in the world. It's such a crazy mantana to be able to smell, to be able to feel, to be able to taste, and of course to hear, to live in a world with no music. To live in, in a world with no sound, to live in a world where you never heard laughter, it's tragic. It's tragic. To live in a world where you never heard your child, what they're saying to you or your husband, to live in a world of silence, tragic. So to get up in the morning and to be able to hear birds and to be able to hear things is amazing. You have to thank Hashem for that. And to be able to see and I told you a few weeks ago, and I used to always, the last thing I do is I open my eyes. That's the fifth sense. I open my eyes and I thank Hashem. For, but now I don't open both eyes. I only open one eye at a time. I used to open both eyes. Now I open one eye at a time because a few weeks ago I met a boy who was one of my Talmudim. 
in in Shemr Shabbos in Borough Park. And he was very nervous. And I said, what are you so nervous about after Shabbos? He said, Rebbe, give me a bracha. I'm like, what do you need a bracha for? He says, I'm going to the eye doctor. I'm like, why are you so nervous about going to the eye doctor? He says, because I only have one eye. So what do you mean you only have one eye? You might tell what are you talking about? He goes, no, one of my eyes is a glass eye. I only have one eye. So I need to keep that eye going, you know, that eye doesn't work well, I'm not going to be able to see at all. So you know what I did? I didn't tell him, but that day, Mincha, 15 minutes Mincha, I decided to down with one eye open. Forget about it. When you lose that peripheral vision, it'll drive you crazy. To only, for the rest of your life, to be able to see only through one eye, you have two eyes! So, so when do you appreciate it? Tishma, when they're taken away from you, and you can't go looking around, and you can't listen to music, so... Instead of, and I, I hate to criticize because everyone thinks I'm very critical, but instead of listening to this a cappella, okay, which I think is a very terrible thing, why? Because if you learn the Medrash Echa, during, during the nine days Hashem sits Shiva, okay? Shabbos is one day of the nine days he doesn't sit Shiva, so it ends up that for seven days he sits Shiva. Could you imagine if you went to, you went to be Menachem Ovo someone and you had a boombox? And you came in, and it's playing a cappella, and the people are like, "Excuse me, these people are singing shiva. Are you crazy?" You're like, "What do you mean? What's wrong? It's a cappella. There's no real music. They throw you out of the house. You don't go be minachamav with a cappella. So, why do we always have to beat him? Why do we always have to come up with? Let's make a siyum to eat meat. Don't eat meat for seven days. God's based on being just." was destroyed, he doesn't have a house, his children were laying dead all over the streets, six million Jews are dead, the, the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, the destruction of the Hello? So don't eat meat for seven days, and don't listen to music for seven days, listen to Shiurim, or don't listen to anything. Again, on the other side, Rabban like, but listen, look how good they are. They're, they're only listening to a cappella, they're not listening to regular music, because some people hold your legs and say, why are you trying to beat the system? Right? Why are we trying to beat the system? We're not here to beat the system. So, so in the pain of what we're not allowed to do in these nine days, you're not allowed to eat meat, you give me an appreciation if you eat meat, right? I definitely have a huge appreciation. Instead of, the on top of the tsar, but the, 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 again, going back to Rishim Shepika says, the mayed is a celebration that I'm thinking about what meat tastes like. I'm not taking a steak or a lamb chop or a veal chop or the chillant with the meat in it, right? I'm not taking it for granted. Because I never think about it, but now that I'm not allowed to have it, I think about it. When I think about it, I appreciate it. When I appreciate it, that's my And that's what he says. So every single day when a person goes out into the world, they have to think about that they have these five amazing senses that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us. And that is the difference between a human being that's alive and a human being that's not alive. And that's something that... That's, that's really, really called Kruye Mayed. And I think that's what this Tishabov, and it's, it's a point that, that I'm trying to make, that I'm trying to get across. I think that this Tishabov, of course we have to mourn, and I'm going to talk about on Tishabov what we have to mourn about. But at the same time, we have to go into the Hakaras Atoh button. And on Tishabov, while we're mourning, we have to appreciate that we had a Beit HaMikdash, that we are the children of Hashem, that he is our king. And Rav Shimshin says something amazing. He says, really? He has another reason that it's called Mayid. He says, another reason it's called Yantif is that because of the destruction 
of the Beis HaMikdash were actually closer to God. When, the, when there was a Beis HaMikdash, ladies, you could not go into the Beis HaMikdash. Most of the men could not go into the Beis HaMikdash. Zar, a stranger, someone who's not a Kayim, going to the Beis HaMikdash, he's Chayim Misa. Right? But now, that there is no, there is no Beis HaMikdash, so it says, now that the king's palace was destroyed, so, it's a, it's a very beautiful story. I think I said this mushal a few years ago. The mushal was brought down, I believe it's, it's also in the Medrash in, in the Pesichta of Megillah's Echa. And the Medrash says that there was a princess and she got married and she moved with her prince to a different country. And she missed her father a lot. She missed him. What could you do? That's what happens. You get married. One day, the villagers came to the palace and they were all screaming and yelling, did you hear, did you hear, did you hear? She said, no, what happened, what happened? Your father's palace burnt down to the ground. There's nothing left. And she began to smile. And she began to dance. And they said, whoa, this is a very dysfunctional relationship. Like, we just told you that your father's whole palace burnt down to the ground, and you're happy? Everyone in the kingdom is crying. The poor king, he lost his palace. And she said, everyone else in the kingdom is crying because they know that the king lost his palace. He's not going to move in into some village. But I know that my father, now that he doesn't have a palace, and he knows I have a palace, he's going to—he's probably on his way here right now. So I'm celebrating because I know that, you're right, I feel very bad that his palace burned down, but now finally I'm going to get my father back. So Shishan Pinkus brings down this medrash, and he says... You want to know the Maya is beautiful. The Maya of Tishimov is, it's very sad the base of Midrash was destroyed. But a person who makes his house, no TVs, no movies, none of this stuff. He makes his house a base Hamigdash and the Zayar says that after the destruction of the base Hamigdash, every woman is considered like a coin Gadol when she lights the menorah Erev Shabbos, when she lights her candles, she's the coin Gadol in the base Hamigdash lighting the candles. And the shulchan in your house is considered the shulchan and the mizbeach. And a person's bedroom, says the Zayar, a person's bedroom, a husband and wife's bedroom, is considered the Kurdish Kedashim. That's what he says, I saw it. And the husband and the wife are considered the kruvim that were on top of the Arna Kodesh, where the shechina rested between them, the Zayar says. That's what a person's bedroom is supposed to be. Not with a big screen. Because God's not, that's what that's what Titus did on Tishabov when he brought the Voidizara into the Kaddish Kedashim. A person's bedroom, husband and wife's bedroom, is the Kaddish Kedashim of the house, and they're considered the Kruvim. So we now, if our house is correct, the might of Tishabov is, I feel really bad for you, God, that your house was destroyed. That's really a bad thing, but I'm really happy that you moved in with me. It's godless. It's amazing. Of course, that's if your house... Is right. So what does it say? It says, V'asuli Megdash V'shachati B'saycham So Chazal say, if it was talking about the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash, it should say, make me Asuli Megdash, make me a Megdash V'shachati B'socho And I will dwell in it. Make me, build me a building and I will dwell in it. Here it says, build me a building and I will dwell in you. V'shachati B'saycham I will dwell in you. He says, that Pasik is for us. After the Beis HaMikdash. Beis HaMikdash B'Saychai 
Nisaycham. So where a woman couldn't get within who knows how far of the Kodesh Kedoshim, you had to sit in the Ezra Sanoshim far, far away, who could not get close to the Shekhinah in that way in the base of Mish. And a regular Jew, if he's not a Kayan, could not get close. Now, our house. So he says, that Medjah says, you're right, on Tishmah we have to sit on the floor. Because the bottom line is that when, you're, when, when this princess's father, the king, came to her palace, she can't say, I am so happy your house burned down. He's, he's, he's going to leave. He's not going to be happy with that comment. What do you mean? I just lost my house. What are you happy about? She can say, Tati, I feel very bad that you lost your house, but I'm so happy that you're here. So, so Tishbub, it's like, we're sitting on the floor and we feel so bad that you lost your house. But the Maye, the reason we don't say Tachon, it's so beautiful. And the reason we don't say Avinu Malkenu, right? The reason that we don't say Slichus is because we feel very bad and we're sitting on the floor that Tati's house burned down, but it's a Yantif deep inside because now Tati is living with us. That's the Yantav of Tisha B'Av. As long as that's your Kavana, that's what you're thinking when you're sitting there on Tisha B'Av. This is Rav Shimshon Pinkus's, yes, what do you want to ask? It doesn't have to do with this, but I'm, I'm in trouble, Rabbi. I don't know the, the prayer for the morning, when you get up in the morning, Manish, Modani. Chai v'kayom. V'kayom. We'll get you a sitter that you can read it. Shechazat to be nishmasi b'chemla rabbe munasecha. It doesn't say Hashem's name at all in there. Modani lifanecha. Melachai v'kayom. I thank you before you, the everlasting king. Shechazat to be nishmasi. You gave me back my soul. B'chemla with love. Rabbe munasecha. Many of your believers. Doesn't say Hashem's name. The reason it doesn't say Hashem's name is that Modani, you say even before you put your yarmulke on, before you wash Negevatsar, you wouldn't be able to say Hashem's name. The first thing you do in the morning, you connect to Hashem through HaKar Satov. Through thank you. Sure. Great. Because I know what I'm doing. 100%. You can say it in English. I'm sorry, but I know I'm interrupting you. You cannot interrupt me. You cannot interrupt me. Okay. So, um, I want to read you a story from the Kabbalah Yashar, which I don't usually do with the ladies. Um, the Kabbalah Yashar is a sefer that was written 300 years ago. It's a very Kabbalistic, it's a, it's a very tough sefer. It's a very Kabbalistic sefer, but he has a very beautiful story that happened in the days of the Arizal um, in Tzfas. And I'd like to read you this story. It'll take two minutes. So it says that the Arizal said that there was a man that lived in Tzfas. His name was Rabbi Avram Halevi. And he lived in Tzfas. And every night, this man would get up every single night. We call it in yeshiva, Vekar. The guy who goes around and wakes everyone up. Every midnight, he would run, he would run around all the streets of the Jewish streets. And he would scream in a bitter voice. And he would say, my brothers, don't you know? that the Shekhinah because of our sins is in Golos and the Beis Hamidosh is burning and Klai Yisrael is in Golos and many of good Jews have been killed he says and you're laying in your beds this he would do at midnight okay? and you guys are laying in your beds sleeping secure Kumu, get up! And cry to God! 
Because he's a he's a god with pity. Ulai maybe Yishma Hashem is called to say, Hashem will hear us. Yirachem alamo, he'll have pity on his nation and all the other Jews. And he would not stop screaming. Today we would shoot him, right? <laughs> he didn't let anyone sleep after midnight. So they had no choice. While you come kulam they all got up. They went to the base medrash. Some said tignachatzois. Some learned Kabbalah, some learned Gemara, some learned Chumash. I guess there was Sfadim and Sfas. They sang Pizmonim, and at Vosikin they davened. Okay, so this man every single night, not the nine days, every single night, 12 o'clock midnight, he would start screaming and yelling, get up, get up, get up, how could you sleep when, when, when the Shekhinah is in, in Golos? Rizal, who lived in Sfas, one day, he called him over, and he said, I want you to know that I know who your Gilgal is. I know who you are, who you came back. He says, you are the Gilgal of Yermio and Navi, who during the time of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash would also walk around and, and scream to everyone, he said. And I have to tell you that I saw in a chaloim, I saw in a dream that you only have two days, you only have a few days to live, that your time is up. He says, but if you do what I'm going to tell you to do, I promise you another 22 years of life. What do you want me to do? Telech Yerushalayim. Go from, now that, in those days, going from Tzfas to Yerushalayim was a big trip. Go to Yerushalayim. Visham Telech Lisbalof Neha Kaisel. Now this sefer was written like 300, 350 years ago. I don't know that reason, I think it was 500 years ago. But anyway, so he says, I want you to go to Yerushalayim, go to the Kaisel Maravi. Davin. Betachnunim Ubetchir Gedayla and cry. Ba'achakach. And if you do that, you will see on the Kaisal Maravi, dogma, a form, Isha of a woman, dressed in black. The takef immediately, from his fear, he fell on, he fell on his face, out to the ground. No, so he, he right away, he, I'm sorry, he went and he fasted. He went for three days, and um, he, he, he locked himself in his room for three days and three nights, and he fasted, and he wore sack and afer. Okay. Then he went to Yushalayim. He came to the Kaisal In those days, it was very dangerous. It was, it was by Arabs. The Arabs were there. But he went, and he cried. And he cried a lot. And all of a sudden, he saw, on the wall, Surah Dugmas Isha. The form of a woman, dressed in black. The take of immediately, he fell on his face, and he began to scream, that I saw you, the Shechina, dressed like this in black, that I saw you like this. My soul will never be the same. He began to cry a lot. Because he, to see the Shechina in such pain. He began to pull the hairs of his head. Until he fainted. And he sort of went into like a comatose state. And then, he saw in a dream that the Shechina came to him with beautiful clothing. And she said, Be comforted, my son Avram. 
They will be a saving after you. I will bring my children back to their borders. I will return them and I will have pity on them. He woke up. He got up. The Chazal Tzvas. He came back to Tzvas. The Take of Ari, when I read Al Sorim, he said, I see on your face that you saw the Shechina. And now you can be sure that you will live another 22 years. That Rizal wrote, it's true. He lived another 22 years. So the Kabbalah Yosha says, that one of the one of the um, one of the segulais to live long is a person to feel the pain of the shechina that is in that is in Gullus. You want to hear something unbelievable? The Kavanaki says that it's brought down in the Art Sadiqim in this story, Shaba Kidumusha Isha. She came to him in the in the form of a woman, Binasna Yodeha Alpanov. And she put her hands, the Shina, on his face, and wiped away his tears. And that's when she said to him, Hisnachem Bini Avram. We should all be Zaycha. I'm not ending here because there's one other little story I want to read you, but we should all be Zaycha. That the Shechina should wipe away our tears, this Tishabov. <laughs> By us being, the whole Tishabov is about the Shechina, not about us, not that we want Mashiach because we want to eat on Tishabov. The whole thing is that the Shechina, which is the Rachamim, the Hashem and the Shechina, whatever that means, that part, the Rachamim part is, is in such pain, you know, watching what Klaishel is going through and not having a home and not having her children and all the atheism and all the Jewish people that don't believe in Akash Baruch Hu, there's, there's a lot of pain. Shechina feels pain. We should be zeichel. They should wipe our tears away. Okay. Anyway, I just want to tell you this story very, very fast. I said it last night. Um, it's a story where Rabbi Yashiv just. When I grew up, the Amunas Chachamim. In other words, when you went and you asked a Rav, um, an Eitzah, was like, not a doctor, way above a doctor. Whatever, whatever the Rav would say. We would do. It was a crazy Emunas Chachamim. You must hear the story. It's very short. But I want to tell you the story about Rabbi Yashav. So the story is that when Rabbi Yashav was very sick, he was in a hospital, and he was very mockbit on how the, the Balkaira on Shabbos read the Torah. He was always mockbit. The words had to be read perfectly. And he was sick, and he was in the hospital, and it was Shabbos. And they put together a minion, and they realized they didn't have a Balkaira. Then they had a Torah and they had no one to read it. And they were like, it's not like you could just like try to read it with the Chumash together and, and make believe. Rabbi Yosha would go crazy. You can't do that. So they started running through the hospital. I think it was Shari Tzedek. Looking, or Hadassah. Looking for maybe there's someone in the visiting. Yeah, maybe there's a Valkyra. So they come to this room. It's an unbelievable story. And they meet this, this boy sitting there by his mother's bed. He's about 16 years old. And he's uh, reading his Chumash. So they asked him, by any chance, do you know how to lay? Do you know how to read the Torah? This week's parsha. So he said, yes, I know how. So they weren't sure. He's a kid. What, what are you going to do? They didn't have anyone else. He laid so beautifully, so perfect, that Rabbi Yashav, right, who was sick, very sick at the time, was so happy that he, that he, that he, uh, 
Teddy Lane. So Rabbi Yoshev asked him, are you a Balkaira? So you, you, you read the Torah every week? The boy said, no. He said, well, you know it so well, it's probably your Bar Mitzvah Sedra. Because the one Sedra we all know how to read is our Bar Mitzvah Sedra because we read it on our Bar Mitzvah and it took us a year to read it and our parents knocked it into our heads. So I know Raya, Bol, and Ben Sipur, the whole part, by heart. I can't read any other parts in the Torah. I'm not about Kaira, but that one I could read. So he said, no, I didn't read this in my Bar Mitzvah. She said, but sort of, it was my Bar Mitzvah Sedra, he said, but what happened was I prepared it. When I came to Shul, I was 13, there was another boy that was also having a bar mitzvah. And he also prepared it. So I said to the, to the Gabbai, don't worry about it. I don't have to read it. Let him read it. So I never read the parasha before. I prepared it. I'm 16. But I never read it because the bar mitzvah was supposed to read it. I didn't get a chance to read it. Rabbi Yoshev was like, wow, the midas of this boy. Imagine you're by mitzvah pasha a whole year and then you come to shul and some other kid and you let him read it. Rabbi Yoshev was like blown away. So he said to him, why are you here? Why are you in the hospital? So he said, my mother is very, very sick. She has a very bad heart ailment. And uh, the doctors don't think she has much time left. So the, the specialist that we need that maybe we're able to be able to save her is not available. She said, what's the specialist's name? So he said the doctor's name. He said, that's my doctor. So Yosha's heart doctor. So, okay. So immediately Yosha called for the specialist. And they examined the, the boy's mother. And she had to undergo emergency surgery. And Lamai said she got better. She got better before Yosha got better. So now she's leaving. Listen to this. Unbelievable. So she comes into the room to say thank you to Yosha because he got the doctor to do the surgery to save her life. So she wants to show my car to so she comes to Rabbi Yashiv and he says, I don't think Rabbi Yashiv remembers me, but I, I came to you 17 years ago and I had a problem. I was just married and because of my heart, the doctor said that I should not attempt to get pregnant. But I did and I got pregnant. And indeed, I became pregnant and my doctors told me that if I, if I don't abort the child, not only am I going to risk the child's life, but I'm, we're both going to die. So I came to Rabbi Yashiv and Rabbi Yashif said, adamantly told us not to listen to the doctors, not to abort the child. He blessed me that I would be well and deliver a healthy baby who would be a sort of nachas for me. So she turns to Rabbi Yashif and she says, Rebbe, the boy who lamed for you today was that boy that I was pregnant with. And my son, the boy who lamed the Pasha, told you about my predicament is the product of the blessing of 17 years ago that you gave me this bracha. So we had a whole discussion after the share last night, me and the boys. What's the amazing part of this whole story? I mean, the, the whole story is amazing. But the amazing part is like this. First of all, the bar mitzvah boy learned his parsha, not to lane for shul, because we said it didn't work out. He actually learned it without knowing to lane one day, three years later, for all the usher. So he was in pain that he had to give that up to another kid. Meanwhile, who did he end up laying for? The Galadar. Number one. Number two. Listen to what happens when you go to a tzaddik. Right? And he tells you the right thing to do. They told her that if you have a child, it's going to shorten your life. You're going to die in childbirth. You can't have this child. It's going to shorten your life. He told her, have the child and don't worry. In the end, because she had the child, and he laid for Eliyashu, 
And he got the specialist who said, we could do something, we could do an open heart surgery, even though the other doctors said no. She ended up lengthening her life. That's the Munas Chachamim. So when a person has the Munas Chachamim, you see what, what can happen. It's an amazing story. We should all be zaychet to see the Shekhinah on this world, to see the Shekhinah on this world, dressed up and adorned in all her beauty, this Tishabav, and the Beis HaMikdash, from Harry B'Amein, no Amein. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.